evening and welcome to another amazing episode of From the Couch Sports. I am Eric and tonight we are going to get weird and physical starting with Kieran Stack. Kieran, in a one-on-one street fight, would you rather have a 25% increase in your attack, defense, and stamina or a 25% increase in your reflexes, speed, and accuracy? I would say attack, defense, and stamina, just because I've never really fought before. So I feel like having any kind of upgrade in, like, in especially in defense and stamina area, is gonna be is gonna be pretty good. I'm pretty sure my like my reflexes are decent enough that I can I can react quickly enough. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I would definitely say attack, defense, and stamina. Especially if I can get if it was like attack or defense, that's a tougher question. But like attack, mm. defense, de- definitely stamina. We were talking about it before. I am beyond out of shape. So <laughs> I think honestly, like stamina is the most underrated out of the six abilities oh because God, yeah. like a lot of people think they get into a fight. They'll be fine. You throw a couple punches. You get fatigued real quick. You take you a couple two. hits. Yeah. <laughs> you throw two, you catch one. It's game over. <laughs> but I like, I mean, because that's the way I, th- I think of this question too, is really like, like you are who you are now. So what's, what's really going to help? Where, where do you really need the most help? I mean, <laughs> yeah, like stamina is the thing. The other two, I don't really even care about. It was just whichever one had stamina in it. <laughs> Jerome, feedback on this question? No, that's the right choice. Mm. I think I would, so I would actually go with reflexes, speed, and accuracy. I don't care so much about accuracy, but I feel like if I can react faster than you, like, okay, I've, I just finished watching um, one and two, like Sherlock Holmes, one and two. And like, he's not a large person. His attack and defense aren't very good, but his reflexes and his speed win fights. Maybe it's a recency bias. I don't know, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And now to introduce my other co-host, a Mr. Jerome Peterson. Would you rather publicly lose a fight to a fifth grader or an 80 year old man? 80 year old man. Yeah. That's the right answer. Uh, that's a clean sweep. I think that's an easy answer. But please, give, give your reasoning. I mean, you know, uh, have you seen, have you seen uh, Chuck Norris? He's still got it. You know, nothing makes up for experience, right? Like, yeah. that's the big thing right here. You know? Conor McGregor clocked an old man in a bar, like a random old man in a bar in Ireland. The guy didn't move. Well, I mean, obviously, the the guy's a, an, an old man in Ireland, which yeah. means he's 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 ninety percent whiskey at this point. Like it's, no, it's okay. not the same. Now, aren't, me, all, me, aren't almost all eighty year old men? <laughs> now wait. So for me, the question is really like, which is less shameful, right? So I think it's pretty fucking shameful to lose a fight to a fifth grader, but let's bump it up. No, I think it's I think it's shameful enough to be in a physical in phys, to engage in physical combat with an 11 year old, because like what happened to make that happen? Like an 80 year old man, like that can just be that can be something that could happen. But like, what did a fifth grader do to you <laughs> to put you in so much of a mental pretzel to be like, no, I got to punch this 11 year old's face in? They stole they took they jumped the line at the Golden Corral and took the last piece of steak. 
I'm offended that you're assuming I'm eating a golden crow. Yeah, that that I'm I'm going to be there. Same. I'm going uh, I'm I'm to fight you now. <laughs> if anything, if anything, I'd fight his dad. Yeah. So, because I feel like a that's a lot- normal turn of events. Is like if a kid is acting up, you go to the parent. You don't try and yell at the kid because that's not going to do anything. For sure, you insult but, the adult's parenting. But but if Dana White came to me and said, "I will give you three million dollars to fight this fifth grader." Oh, I do. It. I'm probably fighting that fifth grader. <laughs> Kid's got a mortgage now. <laughs> Kid's got a mortgage. Like, is, there's got to be like an age line of appropriateness, right? Like, what's the age line here where the fighting the kid is like, like less shameful than losing to the eight year? Is it 16? The age it- line, the age line for me or the age line for the kid? <laughs> <laughs> for you, for you to lose a fight to a younger being. We'll say a junior. I'd say I would say a junior in high school or older. I'd say sixteen or older. Yeah, I think that's junior, right? Or junior mm-hmm. seventeen. I mean, there are there are there are sixteen year old NFL, you know, uh, college football prospects that are five inches taller than me and outweigh me by a hundred pounds. Like, yeah, I mean, that kid that kid is never going to walk again, but he he'll probably win. But there are also eighty year olds who are ready to die like any minute. So that's true. You know. Neither are are great. I think that's the right answer, though. Okay, as an added bonus, gentlemen, uh, we did this last episode. I liked it, so I I brought it back. Uh, If we were cast as the main characters of Entourage, who would play who? Well, I'm E, obviously. And Eric's literally E. No, Eric is is most definitely uh, a mixture between drama and turtle. You're the oldest here. You're definitely drama. I am not drama. I think it's very Kieran, clear that I am not drama. Kieran, back me up. Kieran, Kieran is um, turtle. No, <laughs> Kieran's the good-looking one. He's gonna be. He's gonna be our Adrian Grenier. He's gonna be our Vincent. Chase. Okay. Okay. I'd like to be Ari. I think. I think I'm enough. I. I really. You uh, know. No, you do not have the balls to be Ari. You're not Jewish enough. But I am the most Jewish out of the three of us. I that's fair, but that doesn't mean that you're the agent. That means you're his lawyer. Karen or his account. Or his account. Oh, his account. What was his name? Is it is it actually is Maury, isn't it? Uh yeah. The old guy. Yeah, yeah. It starts with an M. You bought a four million dollar house? Yeah. <laughs> you made three million dollars on the movie about a four million dollar house. You're gonna be out on your streets with that bum of a brother of yours, Jerome. <laughs> No. <laughs> okay. I don't know that we came to a consensus, boys. Is there a consensus choice here? I mean, if I if I could pick, I think I'd rather be Turtle because I think he had the best character arc out of everyone in that he, entourage. He did not. He had okay. I won't say that he had the worst character arc, but he didn't become like cool until the end of the fucking show. When he lost all the weight, he didn't become he cool until the movie when he dropped hundred. And he pounds. started. He started plowing meadow. And he, he had the tequila company like he was pretty much a piece of garbage for most of the show. Yeah, it, it's hard to wipe that from your memory. Jerome, have you have you noticed a trend with Kieran that he really likes the um, the ugly duckling? You know, he really like he likes the Neville Longbottom turtle of the world. You know, he, he's hey man. I like a success story, dude. If you can if you can better yourself, what's more successful than a guy that that 
you know, stars in Queens Boulevard and then goes on to become Aquaman and a bunch a does point. a bunch of other cool shit. I mean, although I think casting Vinny Chase's Aquaman was the biggest mistake ever. That guy's 30 pounds soaking wet. Let's, I know. let's go. Well, there, it's that. old Aquaman. It's not new uh, Polynesian True. powerhouse Aquaman. God. Yeah. That, I, I, and I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll take Jason Momoa Aquaman every day and twice on Sunday. Well, I, I agreed, but Vince is also the worst character on the show, right? Like we agree about this. He's terrible. Vince or no, nah, I think I think drama's worse than he is. No, because dra- uh, he's authentic. He, he's at least he's no- not. No, he is. He is completely self-involved. Oh, and and Vince isn't. Vince is the Vince most. Is like, at, least, is, at least drama. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, drama let's is like, let's remember. He may be self-involved, but he takes care of his three, his brother and his two best friends. Like drama but, didn't do that. I just you're not you're you're no bigger than your you're no better than your worst crime. And he he tried to steal Sloan from E because E tried to help Vince from the Mandy Moore situation. And then he like freaked the fuck out and was like, fine, well, I'm just going to go take this girl that you've got a big crush on. That's a dirtbag best friend move. Dirt bag. That's a low, low blow. That makes you Vincent Chase. How dare you? <laughs> Come on, that's a hundred percent something you would do. Absolutely not. But I think he about says it. through laughter. But I, yeah. but I think about it. All right, we need to move on. We need to move on. Um, I don't think we ever came to a conclusion, but that's okay. All right, so the combine is long since passed, but we've been aching to talk about. Uh, rookies that we wanted to highlight ever since. So we're going to go over well, the draft is coming up. So excuse draft me, is yeah. coming up. Yes. The draft is coming up too. It's a few weeks away. And before I say rookies really undrafted uh, players going into the draft, uh, we're going to go over why we like them. Um, sort of an NFL comparison and the ideal landing spot for these guys. So Jerome, why don't you kick it off? So, gents, I want to tell you about Aiden Hutchinson. Played at Michigan. Had a pretty good combine. He didn't do all the events, but he did most of them. Uh, He has a prospect grade of 6.8. Slated to be a starter as a rookie. Um, And, you know, I I see him like, like a Joey Bosa, you know, edge rusher. Just powerful, strong, quick. I mean, it helps that he is white in yeah, the comparison. Yeah, but but you know, not, I, not too many edge rushers from Michigan of the other persuasion. It's true. I mean, it's true. He has more hair, so you know, there's that. See him going to Detroit. Mm. Is that the ideal spot for him? You think? Obviously, I mean, he's... shit. I'd love to have him. I'd love to have him in Philadelphia, but that. You know, the fact of the matter is um, he's slated to go much, much earlier than than we have a pick. So. So between between the top two teams, because he really is slated to go first overall, second overall, um, unless there's a precipitous drop that is really unforeseeable. Uh, Jerome, you think that it would be more beneficial for him to go to Detroit than Jacksonville. Is that correct? Yes. And why? I think that, you know, Jacksonville has a whole host of shit that they're working through. I think that he'll have a starting job right away. 
and he'll have the ability to, you know, compete for some some good money out of that team in the upcoming years. Okay, I like it. And uh, Karen, we will go to you. By the way, Hutchinson is, I think he's a slam dunk player. I think I think he's going to be a fucking rock star in this league. And I love drafting an edge above quarterback, offensive lineman, high. I mean, Karen, do you agree? Oh, 100%. Yeah, quarterback, offensive line. Anything, you know, the line on either side of the quarterback high is, is, is for sure. Okay. So, Stack, we will go to you with your pick. Go ahead. I want to talk to you gentlemen about a Mr. Jordan Davis defensive tackle coming out of the national champion university of Georgia. Georgia. Yep. Georgia is no longer on his mind. He's got his sights set for the NFL um, and he's doing so running completely out of his shoes, uh, set the record for defensive tackle in the 40 yard dash with a 4.78, which at the height and weight, this kid is, boasting right now that is some lightning speed um faster than tom brady not a big deal <laughs> literally literally, <laughs> literally, literally faster than deal. tom brady at the combine um but one uh, article i was reading you know a comparison of him and it'll, it'll you know move into my you know possible spots for him would be um fletcher cox just the you know hard-nosed like we said edge rusher who can get to the quarterback quickly, gets a lot of tackles, you know, has experience winning, which is always good. Um, I think he's, you know, he's the guy that can definitely step into a leadership role. His prospect grade is a little, little lower. Um, I'm sure than people would like to see it's a 6.5. So it puts him in the boomer bust potential range. Um, but you know, that's a, you know, that's boom potential. And I think before, before going into the combine, he was slated at a top 25 pick, after his combine, I think that's gonna that's gonna shoot up even more. Um, but you know, one team, um, and at the time of you know picking him and picking these spots to go, you know, if this was back when Fletcher Cox, you know, wasn't sure, you know, he was a free agent, his his future was kind of uncertain. Um, so I think he would have been a good spot uh, to fill the place of Cox. Um, I think another good spot um, where someone's gonna be picking is the LA Chargers. Um, mm. You put him on the opposite side of Bosa. And that team that was already really scary on the offensive side of the ball just became that much scarier on the defensive side. And in a con in a, not a conference, a division now that's going to be becoming more and more competitive. I think they're going to need, you know, it doesn't seem like they need it, but you know, every edge you can get is, is a good one. And I think having, you know, the dual threat of Bosa and potentially Jordan Davis on the, on the defensive line is going to make a lot of quarterbacks very nervous. I, I love the Los Angeles Chargers uh, ideal fit. So one player you forgot to mention, I think he's going to be forgotten a lot this offseason because they got Khalil Mack. Um, but Sebastian Joseph Day is a nose tackle for the Chargers, and he eats up a lot of space, but he can also play the defensive end. And I think uh, if they draft Jordan Davis, Davis takes over the nose tackle position and this is a completely different defense now. Um, like Khalil Mack plays the edge or the left side linebacker, outside linebacker, uh, Bosa, possibly defensive end or linebacker. But regardless, really, that's a totally different defense because. Terrifying. I, what's that? That's terrifying. 
Yeah, because it's ter- it's terrifying, but it also it cures a lot of, in my opinion, if Jordan Davis is what I think he is, what I think all three of us think he is, that cures defensive uh, run stopping abilities. You know that they that they really struggled with last year. Um, this guy's an athletic freak. I have trouble seeing him unless his motor doesn't run twenty four seven kind of guy. You know, like sort of like Davion Clowney. I think he's a rock star. But even Clowney was a top 10 pick, was he not? He was the first overall pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. And I mean, and like, and he like, could definitely know, be like, characterized can... as bust. I think so, yeah. And, like, I don't know, like, you can run fast in a straight line, but when you got to move laterally and, and you know, when you have to move other than just running through a person. Yeah. Who's, you know, it's like, you know, an unstoppable force and a movable object, you know it might cancel out by the time he gets to the NFL, but. Well, I, th- I, you know, not to take too much time up on um, Jordan Davis, but I think Aaron Donald has somewhat changed the defensive tackle position forever, the interior defensive line position for forever, because it's, it's all about quickness in the middle now, as, as opposed to just eating space like it used to be uh, with the Vince Wilfork days. Um, so I'll, I'll be a real country. A proper country. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to go into mine. And that is a one, Chris Olave. Uh, he is a wide receiver uh, for Ohio State. This guy has all of the skills that I love most in a receiver, which is that his route running is absolutely precise. Uh, a lot of different scouts say buttery smooth. I mean, just absolutely in and out of his cuts, finds open space, understands the offensive and defensive concepts going into play. And I've seen a bunch of different comparisons uh, to players. I've seen uh, Chris Godwin. I've seen Calvin Ridley. But to me, when I watch his highlights, the player that I think most about is Antonio Brown. Um, now I know obviously the last five years have not been kind to Antonio Brown's reputation, but it's certainly difficult to remember the early part of the 2010s when his route running was so damn crisp. And he actually, even last year was so damn crisp, um, that he just found himself open. So Alave at the combine ran a sub 440. He had a 6.9, um, prospect grade. There's some fear there. I think that he he was like the second or third option on his own team in college, right? So that's that's a legitimate concern, but all the better, in my opinion, because he's one of those guys that because of that, because a guy like Garrett Wilson is going to be drafted probably before him, I think that lands Olave in a much more favorable spot. Like, I think as a player, you almost want to be drafted somewhere in the 20 to 32 range because then you have an opportunity to play for a better team with a better quarterback. So big fan of this kid. Uh, The ideal fit for me, it's going to sound weird. It kind of comes out of left field, but the Dallas Cowboys, um, I know that they just re-signed Michael Gallup, but they also traded away Amari Cooper and Gallup is injured and will be injured into the beginning of next year. Uh, They just paid Dak Prescott a lot of money, a lot. And you've got somewhat of a questionable running back room there. I know we all like, you know, Tony um, Pollard. 
Thank you. I almost said Dorset. <laughs> but really, I think I think a guy like Chris Olave, who's fast, great route running underneath, he can take the top off a of defense. I think he opens up a lot for that offense. I think he would unlock a lot. And then when Michael Gallup comes back, embarrassment of riches. Embarrassment. So, boys, your thoughts? I mean, I, th- I think I like the Calvin Ridley comparison. I just don't know, like, as a Cowboy fan – I don't want to do this again. Like, can we please, can we please draft a defense? Please. It worked out with CD. It CD did. Great. And, no, and it, it, it did. And it was something we well, needed. You guys, like, you guys was, drafted a good defensive end last year. Micah Parsons. He plays all over the field. You don't need anybody else. We need a secondary dude. For what? What do you mean for what? We get gassed every time we get gassed through the air constantly. I think, good. I think, I think, <laughs> I think the offense, truly, I think the offense needs a playmaker more than people think it does. You need an offensive line because it's not the offensive line that it was. Like the, our offensive line was like the Seattle defense in like the early <laughs> 2010s. It's like everyone loved it. Everyone thought they were great. And everyone kind of forgot that it just slowly got so bad that now there's, I think there's one left from that team in 22. Tyron Smith and Zach Martin. Um, right. And Zach Martin's hurt every other week. Well, I just, this is, but this ties into my line of thinking really, which if you can't protect the quarterback, what do you have to do besides running the ball? You have to get the ball out quick. The way you want to get the ball out quick is have a really fast receiver, really quick receiver, not even just fast, who gets open quickly and easily runs great short routes. That's what Olave specials in, specializes in the, the team manufactured touches for him in swing passes and things of that nature. So I think it would be a good fit. I think, I think he helps the Cowboys um, in the way that Jalen Waddell did last year for the Miami Dolphins. You might say it's his speciality. (laughs) Chancellor. (laughs) Okay. We're going to move on to our next topic here. Uh, Fantasy football, PPR top five running backs. So each of the three of us ranked our running backs one through three. I averaged them out. And before we get into it, I wanted to ask you guys, um, what, what is it that you look for when you're drafting a top tier running back? You know, is it, is it prior success? Is it weak winning ability, health of the offense? How do you, Jerome, we'll start with you, differentiate between these players? Opportunity. You know, that's my favorite, but please define for the, define for the crowd. Webster's no, uh, dictionary <laughs> <laughs> defines opportunity as, you know, the number of touches they look to receive in a game. And, you know, uh, you know, if, if you're looking at a player that, you know, has a breakout play here and a breakout play there, but a lot of nothing in between, or doesn't, you know, is constantly sharing the position with a, you know, first down back and a third down back. Like, you know, if you have a a proper number one running back who receives, you know, 60 plus percent of the snaps, I mean, that guy is going to produce for you if he's good. Karen? Yeah, I was, that was going to be my number one was opportunity. Um, I think weak winning ability too is big for me, especially when I was talking about, you know, 
our number two, AKA one B here that we'll get to in a second. Um, Cause he won me nine weeks in a row this year. That's right. He won me my first nine weeks, um, but we'll get to him in a little bit, but I would say schedule also is a big factor in it. Mm. You know, what division are they in? Huge. You know, absolutely huge. Is the, is this guy in the AFC South? Cause then I feel pretty good about him. Right. You know, is he, is, these he guys in, are. is he in the NFC South? I feel real good about him. Like, <laughs> That's it, right. you know, yeah. it, it all, it, you know, if he's in the AFC West, he's got to be real good. If he's good luck and God bless. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I think that's a, <clears throat> a major factor as well as just schedule and what division they're in. Like, obviously, you know, schedules come and go, but you know, who is this guy going to be playing against two times a year? Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's huge. That definitely impacted this list. There was a, a large omission, the number two back from last year who didn't make it into our top five and players one, a and one B we're in the same division. So Kieran's definitely onto something there. For me, it's sort of piggybacking off of Jerome's. I, I harp on this every year, but it's the value of a touch is what I look for most of all. So running the ball is great for a running back. It's the namesake. But really where you make your money. Catching the in, ball. Ca- exactly. Receptions out of the backfield are absolutely huge. Um, and not only that, they provide consistency. When the running game isn't working, He's still catching six passes for 60 yards. That's 12 points right there. That makes up that that makes up a roster spot on your lineup. That's huge. I feel like a big one too is um goal line touches. Like is he yeah. the goal line guy or is he the is he the middle of the field guy? James Conner last year, 15 touchdowns. He was running back six on the year. That's it. I mean, is it a sticky stat? No. Is it predictable? Not really, but it sure as shit is effective. So, okay, let's get into it, boys. Um, Like I said, we averaged out. I averaged out our three running backs, and there was a tie at one. I gave one player the edge because of recency bias. Um, Karen, or excuse me, Jerome, I'm going to let you start off with describing to us why Jonathan Taylor was your number one. It cannot be understated that Jonathan Taylor is an amazing running back. Absolutely. First and foremost. He has speed, he has ability, he has elusiveness, he has some trucking power, he can catch. He's, he's, got, he's got all the metrics. He has youth. Still young, yes. Um, the, other, the other half of it is the Colts are not good at football right now. Their defense, definitely better than their offense, at least from last year. Um, I see him continuing the role as resident playmaker for their offense. And he is going to exceed with, with the help of Matt Ryan. I feel like he will exceed all expectations that he had from last year. Yeah. So I want to add on to that. Um, Oh, you're drinking a truly. I am. I told Kieran before the episode. Are you going to put it? Are you going to put a nipple on that, or (laughs) just going to drink it like that? They. It was growing moss in the back of my refrigerator. It's about a week away from expiration, so it had to happen. I didn't Um, know those things expired. Yeah, alcohol it expires. You don't know. You you don't want to know that. Like you, you want to drink it fast enough. Uh, We already had the alcoholic episode, but uh, (laughs) no, I do want to add on to it. 
All the metrics do suggest that Matt Ryan passes to his running backs more often considerably than Carson Wentz. So it is a benefit for me. um, Taylor fell down the ladder a little bit because so much of his success had to do with touchdowns. The man scored a lot of touchdowns. And for me, that's, I just, I just always believe in a regression to the mean. And when you score 20 plus touchdowns, I think it's a hard thing to repeat. Now, I still think he's an excellent player. I, I just mentioned it. The big thing for me is youth. You know, this guy's still got young legs. You know, he, he can still carry the ball, I would imagine, 300 plus times, which is a huge differentiator from R1B. Karen, um, why don't you tell us why King Henry was your number one? Yeah, um, and I kind of alluded, alluded to it earlier, Eric, when you mentioned weak winning ability. I mean, this man was single-handedly responsible for me winning my first nine games in a row in the league of record. So, I mean, you know, it it doesn't seem right to not put him at my number one running back. I will say the one knock against him, and I feel like this might be the reason why you knocked him to 1B, Eric, is, uh, you know, the other ability, availability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, he got hurt nine weeks in, eight weeks in last year. So, I mean, you know, you can win games when you're, when you're nursing an ankle injury. So I, I get, I get why he, he kind of fell to that one B spot, but man, he was good for touchdowns. He was good for yards. He was good for damn near any stat that's going to get you points in fantasy football. And he was so good at it. I feel like if he played 16 games, he'd be a bona fide number one. Well, to add on to that quickly, um, he was on pace for 465 attempts, 465 gentlemen, um, 1,991 yards, which is actually not as high as you'd think. 21 touchdowns. Did he hit um, 2,000 la- the year before? He did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 21 touchdowns. The, the big thing for me is that he was on pace for 38 receptions, which would have been, I think, double his career best. So, but then you have to talk about the elephant in the room, right? Jerome, I mean, the injury, it's, tell, is that the reason why you think that Jonathan Taylor should be a spot above him? And I mean, let's talk about the injury too. It was an injury to his foot. I don't remember. I think it was a Jones fracture, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't the old ACL, MCL tear that we're all so afraid of. I mean, Jerome, go ahead. I mean, people, uh you know, running backs get micro fractures in their foot, in their feet often. Uh, that's not unheard of. Um, for me, what knocked him down is that he's getting older. And yeah. the chances that he keeps having year after year after year after year like this, it just it, it gets lower. I mean, you know, yeah. Was yeah, the there, decrease. Was there, was there, you know, did AP completely break the statistics? Yeah. But it's generational. I mean, to have another guy like that so quickly. No shot. <laughs> it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, so do I think he still has the ability? Yeah. Will he get hurt again? Hopefully not. I mean, no, I don't wish that on him. He's not a cowboy. But, you know, he <laughs> is getting older. So, you know, you just have to, you know, mark that as, you know, uh, chances of him having another awesome breakout year. Good but not as good as some of these younger guys like Najee and Joe Mixon. 
Yeah, I and just for me, real quick, I mean, what is there to not love about Derrick Henry? As a fantasy manager, yeah. you could you really you could say just as a football fan too, like just like exactly. someone who watches football. A- a- absolutely. You love rooting for him, you love his name in your lineup. All that's great. Um, you don't necessarily love the receiving production, but his involvement in the offense, like Jerome mentioned, regardless of the amount of passes that he catches, you know that he's going to get the ball 20 plus times a game. You just know that. Now, for me, my issue was simply that the health of the offense. I don't know that this is necessarily an offense that I want to keep investing in. You know, like I don't I don't look at the Titans and say this is a supreme chain moving offense. But then again, Derrick Henry is that offense. So we're going to move down the list here to our number three player. I will introduce him since he was my number one. I mentioned it a little bit ago and I stand by this. Um, Najee Harris is, he is, he is my guy. I, I love the production out of Najee. Um, I mentioned it before, but one of the things that I look for most is that receiving aspect in a PPR format. And Najee is all that and a bag of chips. I think this kid is, he is the future center focus of this Steelers offense. I think that he, he already was in part last year, but next year they're going to be going into a questionable quarterback situation, whether or not they draft a quarterback or they start Mitchell Trubisky, what have you. I think Najee is destined to be touching the ball 30 times a game or at least 25 times a game. And I imagine that at least five targets a game are going to this guy. If he catches four out of five a game, that's that's probably eight points right there in just the receiving game. Um, but it's not just that. Watching him play, he passed the eye test. I think this kid makes yards appear. He finds a way to get into the end zone, and he's got the pedigree. They invested in him early. He's young. He's hungry. He's looking for that second contract in a few years. I love I love Najee. And not only that, he comes, he plays in a good organization. The Steelers are a good organization. I just, I put stock in that. I think that coaches like Tomlin know how to get to the, the ball to their best player. And I think Najee is that guy. Gentlemen? No, I mean, well, I, I can tell he's... you what, I know who's not going to be handing Najee Harris the ball this year. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, Ben Roethlisberger, what do you oh. think I'm going to make a a a a a, 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 a low cal like a, a low ball joke about Dwayne Haskins passing? Listen, he he may have had a lot of issues, but you know, rest in peace. He had a, he had, honestly, I thought he had a bright future in in Pittsburgh, and I'm not going to pull I an Adam Schefter and sit here and talk shit about the guy uh, yeah. after he died, um, but. You know, um, no, uh, RIP Dwayne, um, you know, let me just say this too. Very, very unfortunate loss of young talent. Rest in peace for sure. I really think Adam Schefter should lean into this. I think, I think he should lean in hard and just create. He's got no other option. No, I read, and I read, I read his, uh, I read his apology today. Yeah. Okay. Apologize, but then fucking lean into it and just start bashing players. That would be great. Like that. (laughs) I I would love it. That's not Shefty, though, dude. It's Jim Rome. <laughs> so, no. so, so jokes, jokes uh, about the Pittsburgh side and and whatnot. Um, 
it goes right right into they, they are i feel like they are going to attempt to build an offense around Najee and the remaining wide receivers that they have with Trubisky and make something happen out of that because i mean if it's very clear about Trubisky in his in the time that he did well in chicago something he didn't really have was a, a running back with the talent that Najee Harris has. I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, Karen, before we get into yours, I, it can't be said enough that 74 catches, 467 yards, it, you know, through the air, he was great. Um, Karen, tell me why he was number four on your list. I think he was just number four on my list just because of the other big name running backs like Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. Um, I think I originally had him at number two or number three, and then I was like, oh, shoot, Jonathan Taylor exists. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I initially had him a little higher up on my list here, probably around the three spot um, for me. But like Jerome said, like, he, he you know, who's going to be throwing the ball this year and handing it off to him. It's Mitch Trubisky, who I think, you know, I've said it a few times on the podcast. Now I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a very good quarterback who was in a terrible situation in Chicago. I mean, I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face. He brought Matt Nagy's offense to the playoffs. Like it's very, he should be put, he should, he should get a bust in Canton for that. Like, if you okay 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 <laughs> i'm i'm obviously exaggerating but like that's how bad that offense was and he was able to get into the playoffs with it i well, think now with a good coach a good running back in naji i think he's gonna do i think mitch is gonna do well there and i think the two of them are gonna play off of each other well make beautiful music as it were let me ask you boys this i have wondered this question um what are the chances you know, a percentage out of a hundred, if you will, um, which is how percentages work, that <laughs> <laughs> that Najee has somewhat of a Saquon Barkley uh, second year arc where Barkley in his rookie year had a quarterback who dumped the ball off incessantly to him. And the next year, quarterback change, lo and behold, Barkley doesn't catch as many passes out of the backfield. Yes, he was injured, but still in all, his targets per game dropped almost precipitously. You could say, I mean, what are the chances that happens with Najee given Ben's tendency to dump the ball off last year? I don't think that's going to happen just because we don't want it to. I agree. Well, yeah, but and also just like, I don't know. I feel like that's, it's, it's a system that's been built around Najee right now. And I don't think they're going to necessarily change the system to try and build it around Mitch Trubisky. Romy? It is my hope, as I mentioned before, that they decide to build this offense around Najee instead of trying to build it around Mitch. So, yeah, and I mean, I feel like that process has already started. You're not going to stop that right in the middle of when it's starting to pick up steam and try and build it around a quarterback who is looking, he's trying to get his third shot now. You know, his, yeah. he's on his third chance. And I think, let's wait, hold on. He didn't have a chance in Buffalo. He's on his second chance. Yeah, fair. But like he's on his third team, but he never he, the only way he was getting any serious playing time in Buffalo was if 
tall guy got hurt, which thankfully he never did. Why would you even say that out loud? No, I said if <laughs> it's not current. Shut up. I would never wish bad things <laughs> upon upon tall guy. Um, that's why I'm using his nickname instead of his real name. There you go. His royal but, but, but um, you know, let's let's be honest about this. He he's going to be the starter for Pittsburgh. Yes. So this yeah. is his well, second be. shot to be a starter. He he didn't he he wasn't competing with tall guy to be the starter in Buffalo. I want you know it's it's actually curious. I think I think it's possible that he had more uh, snaps than Trey Lance did last year. I think that's actually legit because uh, tall guy was pulled from games late. That's anyway, hysterical. Yeah, I think I think that's possible. So we'll move on to our next pick. We spent enough time on that. Uh, number four, Dalvin Cook. So, Jerome, why don't you tell me about Dalvin Cook and why he was your, I think, number three player? I think Dalvin Cook is going to have a bounce back year this year. Um, he did deal with injuries a lot last year. Um, but he's also the type of player that gets injured, but he bounces right back. Like he doesn't, he doesn't take time off superfluously. He's like, he's like, no, 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 let me go back in. Let me go back in. Like he's constantly trying to play football, which, you know, fucking, I don't think they make enough athletes like that nowadays. You know, McCaffrey, I'll tell you that. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, no, I think he's a, he's a great running back. Um, He has, all the makings of, you know, a number one running back on a team on a, on a, on a fantasy roster. Um, you know, and I wish nothing but the good things for, for him this year. Yeah. I, I think my big thing for Dalvin cook last year was uh, my big thing that I focused oh, on and something, so- something else, something else that can't be discounted is that he is still playing for the Vikings and the Vikings are not a good football team still, which means they are constantly going to be trying to score points in order to stay in games, which goes back to the Eric's golden rule about opportunity. If you're on a team that's middling or sucks, there's always going to be opportunity for scoring because they're not going to just like, oh, they're getting feel, you know, they're constantly going to try and score points. So they're not eating clock. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think that's the big thing for me is that he actually broke a statistic last year. He was one of those rare players, uh, an exception to the rule, as there are every year, where he got a ton of touches. He was top 10 in touches, and yet he ended the season as like number 21 running back on the year. And why is that? It's because of his touchdowns. The man scored six touchdowns last year. Uh, The amount of opportunities that he had in the red zone, either via the pass or the run, was, I think, top five. So this is just an unlucky player. This is not a lack of skill. The last two years combined, he had 30 touchdowns. Last year, he had six. I think this is a regression to the mean. I think this is a positive regression, okay? This is, this is a player who is, I think, just bound for greater success in the end zone. Six touchdowns is not Dalvin Cook. I think we know that about him. I think he's that good when the opportunity is given to him. Um, Karen, I accidentally swapped it where you had actually picked Cook as your three and Jerome as your five, but give me the reasons why Dalvin dropped to our number four. I think it's for 
I think the thing is for a lot of the reasons we said, you know, he's, he's injured a lot and, you know, Jerome to your point, yeah, he does bounce back, but when he's injured, he's not playing games. He's not scoring points. He's not scoring touchdowns. Very So tough. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a big one for me. Um, and Derek Henry, Henry falls in that category as well, but I think Derek Henry, when he's there is just so much of a game breaker than Dalvin cook is. Um, and I think it's also because, you know, I think Tennessee knows that their offense runs through Derrick Henry. I think Minnesota is still having delusions of grandeur that oh they forget. Kirk, they, yeah, they, they forget that Delvin Cook is their best player on their offense. For yeah, sure. They're like, no, Kirk Cousins, yeah. Woo. I I I I beg to differ. I think Justin Jefferson is the best offensive player that team has. That's true. No, okay, you're right. sure. I, I, I think I think that's no, no, fair. no, you're, you're you're for sure, right? They just don't have a good enough quarterback to make him because because good. let's let's be very honest about something real quick if you took dalvin cook and justin jefferson you put both of those players on the titans and then gave derrick henry to the vikings the titans win the super bowl with their head coach i think jerome the- and tannell i think tannell is better than kirk cousins but i think i think we I, get- I, I think he is too I just I think if you take two dynamic players like that and you put them together on that team, you would have much more success than just having a great running back. I, I think yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And I agree that Justin Jefferson is probably a better player at this point in his career than Dalvin Cook is. However, I don't think that that's the necessary question. I think that the question is, who can the offense not succeed without? And I, I think. Dalvin Cook is the engine that drives that offense, and Justin Jefferson benefits as of right now with the constitution of the offense from that. I don't think it's vice versa. You know what I mean? But Karen brings up a really good point. I mean, availability is your best ability. Excuse me. Uh, and so we will go on to our last of the five, a Mr. Joe Mixon. Um, Karen, tell me why. Joe Mixon was a top five pick for you. Tell me, no, more importantly, tell me why Joe Mixon was in your top five when Austin Eckler and Run CMC were not. I mean, Run, Run CMC is a is an injury factory, and you're an idiot forever drafting him, and then trying to trying to unload him on me midseason while he was injured, and then didn't come back for like five more weeks. Um, I'm never gonna let you forget that. I wasn't an idiot. I was I was trying to unload him. That was that part wasn't an idiot. That was no, you're an idiot for drafting. He him. was he was that guy at the bar giving you a roofie colada and trying to fuck you. Right. That's right. <laughs> otherwise you known as me. Otherwise known my as pants Eric down. at the University of Buffalo. <laughs> I wish. Yikes. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, did you CMC just say was- they wish? He did. He <laughs> you did. dirty fuck. Um, but you know, Eric's extracurriculars aside, um, CMC wasn't on there, you know, for the same reason that I don't think I'll ever draft him honestly is cause yeah, you're going to get magic for three weeks, maybe before the knee starts acting up. That's generous. And then he, and then they start pulling him back a little bit and then it's like, Oh, it might be a little bit better. And then in week six, he goes and tears his ACL again. Like that guy's got, he's got paper. ACLs. Mm, he's and like, I don't know if it's genetic or not, but whatever. 
he he um, reminds me he he reminds me of the scene in uh, Dark Knight Rises where the doctor is examining uh, Bruce's knee and he's like, you see this this is this is where the cartilage should be. <laughs> it's just, uh, that's that's CMC right now, and it sucks because yeah. we love him. But to the yeah, and and it is like a whole bunch of potential as well. But to to Austin Eckler's point, I think that goes to a lot of what I mentioned before is division and touchdowns. Yeah. Division and touchdowns. He plays in probably the toughest division in the NFL. And no, he's the toughest. not the one of. On right now, all we have is paper, and on paper, that's the toughest division. Yeah. And but the point stands. Yeah. You know, on paper, toughest division right now before heading into the season, obviously. And he's not a touchdown guy. Well, that's the thing. Last year he all the other guys are they're touchdown guys. Last year, Austin Eckler, 20 touchdowns. I love Austin Eckler. Everyone, everyone knows he's my guy, but well, anyway, carry on. But it's like, yeah, no, like honestly, I love him too. I was an Austin Eckler owner for a time. And but at the same time, it's like, all right, Austin Eckler or Jonathan Taylor. I'm gonna take Jonathan Taylor. Austin Eckler or Derrick Henry. I'm going to take Derrick Henry. Austin Eckler or Najee Harris. I'm going to take Najee. Austin Eckler or Dalvin Cook. I'll probably take Dalvin. Austin Eckler or Joe Mixon, d- depending on the day, you know, some days I might take Eckler. Sometimes I might take Mixon. You know, it's that, that one's kind of a 50 50. But I mean, the four we have in the top four right now, I would take in a heartbeat over Austin Eckler mm. if given the opportunity after last year. I mean, you know, if we're, if we're talking a year ago, you know, Obviously, I don't think Jonathan Taylor's on here. I don't think Najee's on here. And probably Eckler kind of bumps up to fill in those spots. But So, Jerome, why is Joe Mixon a better fantasy option next year than Austin Eckler? I think it's a better offense. Yeah. Uh, I think that he has a better quarterback. And he's going to have a lot of opportunity. So, I will go into... I don't line in the face of Herbie fully loaded. Yeah, I I actually I don't agree with any of the things you just said. I think that Justin Herbert is a better quarterback than Joe Burrow. I think that the offense I think I think with the Bengals, there's a lot of reasons. I think the Bengals offense is better. I don't necessarily agree with Burrow being a better quarterback, though. Well, I just I think I think that we're we're looking at a postseason of success for this offense, and we forget that Justin Herbert is who he is. I that man is, I, for my money, I think he's a top five quarterback right now. I would take him every day and twice on Sunday over Joe Burrow. I, so I don't know about that. Well, you know what? Here's the, here's the more important thing. Justin Herbert throws to his running back more than Joe Burrow does. And if we're having a discussion about fantasy running backs, Austin Eckler had yet another year of 90 plus receptions. So, I don't know. I mean, Jerome, what say you to that? What was he like in the red zone? Well, Austin Eckler? Yeah. Last year, he was magic. Uh, in the red zone, I think he had 15 touchdowns out of his 20. I mean, it's not... Look, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. I really don't. Joe Mixon rushed for 1,200 yards, had 16 rushing and receiving touchdowns, caught 40-plus passes. I... I am not shit talking him at all. I'm just, I'm curious because here's a guy in Eckler who was number two last year. Now here's a guy and we're, we're casting him aside. And I just, 
I, it's a curious state of the man, the fantasy football mentality. So, okay. Uh, let me ask this question, gentlemen. Um, so we've all previously agreed in unison that Cooper cup is our wide receiver one. Um, which of these running backs would you forego in favor of taking Cooper cup? If any, at, let me, at, I'd at take, what, I'd take cup over Henry. Now, Henry. Now, okay. So let's for you, Jerome, Derek Henry was your number two running back. Correct. So you would take at the two slot, you would take Cooper Cup over Derrick Henry. Correct. I might take him over Henry as well, if I'm being honest. Well, Henry was your number one. So these are some yeah. pretty hot takes, boys. You're willing to take a receiver that early, huh? If it's Cooper Cup, yeah. Especially now that, like, I don't know, the NFC West is kind of shot. Yeah, it's shot. You could say that again. And like, um, I don't know. And now we, and now we've seen what Matt Stafford can do with Cooper cup. Like, I feel, I feel like, you know, we always thought when he went there that like it was going to be good, but now we know it's awesome. Yeah. Their connection is magical. That's for <laughs> sure. Um, do we think that maybe this has something to do with the recent last couple of years of running back injuries? I mean, if you, if you look at our top five list, doesn't include Alvin Kamara, doesn't include CMC, Saquon, Ezekiel Elliott, like a lot of injuries there over the last couple of years. Yeah, Zeke fact. was never really that hurt. He just sucks. Well, <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, that, that, but that's fair. I I'm just saying, like, wow, you guys would take him that quickly. I think I think I might if I'm at four, I might be staring Cooper Cup in the face and saying, you know, yeah, I think I'd probably rather have Coop. But I mean, if you, if you're sitting in the fourth pick, that's right around where I took Derrick Henry last year. I think I might've taken him third. So you're in Derrick Henry territory. You, you are. And, but I mean, the thing is, is that Karen, this is, this is what bothers me is that you want your first round pick to be an absolute game winner, right? You want, you want that kind of ability, but you know what I, I really want is, for my first round pick to be a huge success. I don't care so much. I I don't want this player to lose touches, to get hurt. I don't want him to ever not be the focal point of the offense. And I don't care so much if he ends up being the third or fourth best player, or if he doesn't have those game breaking wins. Jerome, you know what I'm talking about? Like you just don't want to miss on the first round because that's a huge swing and a miss. Uh, as someone who routinely misses on first rounders, um, oh, don't don't laugh, Mr. McCaffrey. Yeah, oh, fucking, it hurts. <laughs> still hurts. Okay, so you know you just had a taste of what I unfortunately experience quite often. So you know I've I've fucking gotten used to it. You know you 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 try and pick the best player that's out there, and if they get hurt, they fucking get hurt. You know what I mean? Um, you know, in this instance, if I'm at you know, the two and, you know, I can't have JT, then, you know, I'm going with Cooper cup. It's just what it's going to be. I, I will, we can get into the state your case, but I would, I would just finish off with this. When we were uh, negotiating as it were ranking our receivers, there was far fewer negative things to say about Cooper cup. than there were any of these running backs, any of them. So I guess it, 
goes to what you guys are saying. But uh, all right, we will now go into Jerome's State Your Case. Bruce, help me out here. Huh? Well, guy dresses up like a bat clearly has issues. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, this is going to be quick and dirty. Oh. Cooper Cup deserves to be your number one pick in this year's fantasy draft. PPR formats only. With an offense that just came off of a Super Bowl win, the Rams are going to be eager to establish themselves as the remaining number one team, not only in the NFC, but in the NFL as a whole. One of their main weapons, one of their main targets, is Mr. Cooper Cup. And they are going to be pouring opportunity up to his neck this year. Now, as we all know, in PPR formats, you get a point per reception. Cooper Cup is going to receive numerous opportunities. And even if he only gets a couple of yards at a clip, every single one of those is going to count for a point. So, which is why I say for PPR formats, Cooper Cup should be your number one pick. He's healthy. The offense loves him. The offense is going to be leaning on him. And I think he will produce for you outstanding numbers that deserve to be your number one pick in the draft. What do you gentlemen think? So I'm going to start this off by saying, I think Eric needs a new desk now because of how the underside probably looks. Oh, it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's spattered. It's messy. It's, it's a messy, messy desk. Lovely. Um, I want to be convinced because everything you said makes a whole lot of sense. But I think what about it? What about it is holding you back? Jonathan Taylor is holding me back. Okay. Mm. I think, but that's the thing though. Like, it's like, I pray to God, I don't have the number one pick in our league this year, just cause like, cause it's going to come down to it. And I feel like that's the worst. Honestly, like I hate having the first overall pick because it's at a point now where, you know, for the last five years or so, it was CMC. It was chalk. It was CMC number one pick. If you had it, CMC, you're good to go. You're fine. Is that but what now, it was, Eric? <laughs> you're you're a great guy. It was. It no longer is. Um, <laughs> he's not sniffing my roster, but now I feel like you know it. There, I feel like there comes a time in fantasy football where, like every every you know few years, you know probably five ish years, that. <laughs> the bona fide shock 101 kind of goes away. And then it's just kind of like a mad dash to who's going to be that new bona fide 101. And I feel like that's where we are right now is like, where no one really knows what that's going to be. I will say I'm convinced that like, like if someone picked Cooper cup first overall, I'm not going to be like, dude, what were you thinking? Mm. But I also think there's other options out there. Like if, like I'd have a very hard decision to make if I had the first overall pick, but I'd be staring down Cooper cup on one. You know, I'd have Cooper cup in one hand, Jonathan Taylor in the other. So I, I would long, long, long story short, I, I will say I am convinced. I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge anyone for taking Cooper cup first overall. I mean, I just got done talking about how there is a, 
an easier feeling of security drafting a receiver in the first round because they're more likely to be the right pick, to be a pick that won't disappoint you. Um, but we're only two years removed from Michael Thomas being the consensus best receiver off the board, <laughs> right? We're, we're only, we're only two years removed from Michael. Th- Look, Michael Thomas in a lot of PPR leagues that year was top three. He might've been first overall for some leagues. And I don't think there were a whole lot of managers scoffing at it four years ago. It was only three years ago. Only three, only three years ago, Kieran drafted him, for instance, fourth. Bobby, Bobby, we are now going into four years. It's been four years since he was that. What was it? What, what year was it? It was 2020 when he broke the record. Yeah. So but the point, the point stands. I love Cooper Cup. I love all the kind words about the Rams. You know what? I think the other thing, too, is that the NFC West is not necessarily an incredibly difficult division. I don't think the Rams are going to be passing the ball that much. And fantasy running backs just tend to score more points on a weekly basis. Your number one fantasy running back, you know, I don't know. There's also something to be said here for the fact that the top five receivers last year, there was only one, I think, Devontae Adams, who was, you know, slotted to go in the first two rounds. Then you had guys like Cooper Cup, who was like a sixth round pick. Debo Samuel, a seventh round pick. You know, Jamar Chase, fifth round pick. And that was in our league when Karen was a little bit aggressive about it. So they're, they're a little bit more hard to predict. That's, I, I would say I'm unconvinced. But, but a, fine, well. a, fine, a fine argument. And. I like Karen. I don't think I would. I would shun anyone who uh, made that choice. Okay, let's get into our draft. We're going to uh, go into movies that make us cry. Obviously, this is at nice, least nice, light, positive draft for. That's right. For everyone oh today. yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, bring bring your uh, bring your tissues. Okay. I think you used all yours up after I everything I just said. <laughs> about Coop. <laughs> he doesn't use tissues. Oh, man. I love the Rams. All right. So this is somewhat of a subjective list, but I think that there is a... I think that there's somewhat of a consensus list here. And for me, the Chalk 101, I just watched it with my daughter yesterday. And when I say that she and I... We're just bawling our eyes out. Debbie does Dallas. The, the movie, <laughs> the first 15 minutes of the movie up. If uh, you don't cry, there is something deeply wrong with you. I mean, the first 15 minutes of, and there's no words, there's it's no words music and like pictures, but it's, but it's the music too. And it's like the story of the wife And, you know, this kind of like opportunity lost and this guy was truly devoted. And it just like, like I look over at her and I'm like, you know, I'm in Deb. I'm I'm trying to choke him down. I got the tears streaming, but like she's smaller than I am. She's looking at the TV, so she can't really see. And then I hear go. And I'm like, okay, And I'm like, absolutely. Like, just let it out. That movie gives me the feels every fucking time. 
No, that's a good one. And it's funny because like the saddest part of the movie is the first 15 minutes because everything after that is just like everything's smooth sailing for the next two hours. It's so it's so strange too. Like that movie, like creates so. That's much not very Disney. That's not Disney at all. No, no. It's like it, the rest of the movie is just all right. That was a good film, but the first fifteen minutes are like absolutely like Pixar ripped my heart out. Why See, don't? it's really really cute that you children say that, and I think you forget what Disney was before y'all were born. Is that your second overall pick? What 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 do you got for you? No, I'm just saying. I'm just you. Do you guys remember the first 15 minutes of Bambi? That's a good point. (laughs) I mean, you're no, you're fuck, dude. Like, like they're they're they they are pretty emotionally abusive right off the bat with a lot of with yeah a lot of movies. I mean, the first 20 minutes of of uh, Lion King has everybody like don't give away pain. Get up. Get up, Dad! Like, I mean, uh, like, like, there's, there's so much there. Uh, no, movies that make you cry. Um, I'm a man. I do man shit. Uh, I tell you what, as a teenager, before uh, before you were my, a man, <laughs> my military career ever happened. Um, I watched a, a, a small, small picture. Um, not a lot of uh, movie stars were in it. You might have heard of it. It was called Black Hawk Down. It oh. was about uh, a absolute dog fuck of an operation in the 90s uh, that the army put together in Somalia that this, this, the story is absolutely brutal. And it's and it's and it's it's pretty factually accurate about what happens, um, and it it affected me emotionally back then. And now, having been to to there, um, I can't I can't watch it. I can't watch it with people that I don't want to see me cry because I will just I like I will just like. But it's not like. I'm weeping like don't get me wrong like ups <laughs> like no I'm just like I'm like my chest is shaking and I have tears running down my face but I'm trying not to cry cry yeah yeah which yeah. which ultimately always looks worse yeah. yes yeah. let it out <laughs> uh, let it out yeah. and if you and, and those of you listening out there if you haven't seen Black Hawk Down watch it yeah it's it's such a tough film too because it hits you know what i think it's it's a little bit of a niche pick i don't think that it hits for everyone jerome i think that like for instance like up will make the dad the mom the dog cry in the room i think black hawk down there's a crowd of people who won't get what it i get what you're talking about i think there's a crowd of, of people who won't get what you mean but the whole list is subjective, very much so. Yeah, true. Um, okay, Karen, go ahead with the 301. Excuse me, the 103. 103. <laughs> uh, so the 103, um, this is a very, this is a pretty niche one as well, um, specifically to me. Uh, it's going to be Miracle. Um, <clears throat> but tears there's of a, Happiness? Yeah, no, yeah. Like, Tears of Happiness. There's also some, like, pretty heavy, like, sad stuff in there, too. Like, 
the there's a there's a few instances in this movie that like legit like make me misty eyed and this was like a tough list for me to do too because like i just i don't watch movies that i have like at least a little bit of inkling like oh this might make me cry i'm not gonna watch it it's not like a module thing it's like i don't cry at movies it's like i just won't watch it (laughs) if i know it's gonna make me cry um but when he's when it's like christmas and he's out with the team and like he comes home and like the trees all decorated and his daughter leaves him the note that says like, Oh dad, we left the star for you. Love you. Oh. Merry Christmas. I'm just like, God damn it. Yeah. And then, so that's the first one. Second one, when they cut Ralph Cox, I want yeah. a little part of me dies every time I watch Ralph Cox get cut. And then the last one is the big one when they, when they beat Russia and like mm-hmm. everyone's going nuts, everyone's on the ice. Um, you know, uh, Jimmy's looking at his dad up in the stands and then um, her Brooks, Kurt Russell just walks down the hallway and he's just like, yeah. And he like, just like sits yeah. down on the wall and yeah. he's like, yes, let's go. This is, this like, is a happy cry thing. You know, the, so many yeah. of these moments, are, it's, it's a very happy cry moment. I think you missed out too on the one where, um, you know, because we're a family, you know, like that scene outside of the bus. Yeah. Where are they? Are they in Minnesota? Where are they? They're in, um, now they might be in like Europe or something like that. Cause they brought in the kid from Minnesota to play. Yes. That's what it is. That's where, but that, that moment is fucking, that's great. That's a happy that's a crime. Or when, uh, when, when, uh, Herb tells O'Callaghan he's playing. Yeah. He's on the crutches. I swear to God, Herb. If I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Like, what's, what's the two the crutches in the air. That's a good one. Um, okay. I'll move on though to my two Oh one on the turn here. I'm going to go with Coco. Um, another never wow. seen it. dude. Wow, that movie, dude. You actually stole one of my picks. I openly weep. So, that movie came out. I watched that right before the deployment, and oh, I watched it with Celia. And I gotta <laughs> you tell you, that I, I was like bawling. And every time I hear that song now, oh, remember me? Yeah, yeah, oh, dude. And it's and it's really not extremely sad until the it's like the opposite of up it's like the last 15 minutes mm-hmm. when he's playing the song he's trying to get his grandmother to remember so his grandfather doesn't like disappear forever oh and then she finally then she starts singing wow oh, god this is this is a great choice yeah that great was a choice that I was pre- a steal for me in the second round yeah i think it, people don't think about it but that movie i mean it really it oh man it was a great amazing movie yes super underrated like in the age of like moana and like you know frozen like people forget about coco moana (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it was moana then this yeah i oh man great choice great choice all right jerome go ahead you uh you heartless uh disney-less person i'm just i'm about to upset i'm about to upset you again um, so last of the Mohegans. Wow. Uncas Unc- at the end of the movie, when Uncas tries to go one-on-one with, with Magua and gets murked. And just as Magua cuts his throat and, and, and throws him off the, the ledge, Chinach cook runs up and he sees, he sees his son who was the future of the Mohegan people. Um, 
die. And he just like, I'm, I have goosebumps thinking about it right now at like, and he just goes fucking berserk and he just tears through like a whole squad of Euron and goes one-on-one with, with uh, Magua and just, just embarrassingly kills him. Yes. And he, he gives this speech about how the world is changing and how his son was the future, but his son can't be that anymore. And he has to be the, 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 the future because he is the last of the Mohegan people. And it just gets me every time. Yeah. That, that is an epic trick. Now that's a niche choice too. Not because I don't think a whole lot of people have seen that movie. At least I am one of them. So movie night boys. Oh, oh my don't man. don't don't i will buy i will buy an expensive bottle of scotch and we will watch this that that is how much this means this movie this movie was um like daniel day lewis uh, daniel, daniel day lewis daniel day lewis right. like he looks like such a fucking action you would think that he was an action hero badass in this fucking movie he was i mean in the scene in Seagal. the scene in the scene under the under the waterfall he's like He's like, just go, just survive wherever you, no matter how far, no matter where you go, I'll find you. Just stay alive. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, amazing. For sure. That it is. So we were talking offline there a little bit, and I said to Jerome that was, it was a niche pick, which I, you know, to his credit, Jerome said he was trying to pick ones that the casual viewer wouldn't think of and for me i just go with the ones that make make me cry the most or all the time um the 203 field of dreams Uh, one last one last catch game of catch with your dad boy that was gonna be my 301 boy that I mean, my my eyes are getting misty just now thinking about it. I, the first time, the first time I sat down and watched that movie with my dad. I mean, that's I think that's a thing for every guy who watches that yep. scene. That yeah. one last game of catch with your dad there at the end. I don't care about the rest of the movie, but that scene right there, every time, just it just fucking gets me. And Jerome, to your point, it's it's one that like it probably tops a lot of lists. You know, a lot of people talk about that as uh, an ultimate, uh, you know, guy cry moment, dude crying movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, but and it's it's funny too because like it makes me kind of misty eyed. But it's just like it's weird because I've never played catch with my dad because my dad's from Ireland and didn't know what baseball was until nineteen eighty four. Well, it's actually I, that's actually shocking. Yeah, that's. But it's it's just I don't know. It's a thing. It's like a, a moment of nostalgia, you know. Um, yeah, it's such a good movie too. It is. Yeah, Kevin Costner, early nineties, um, and really Yoda, Shoeless Joe. That's right. That's right. Wow. Um, okay, James Earl Jones too. Wow. The three hundred one for me. It's between two films. Um, between two ferns. Between, 
I was I was gonna pick the um, it's not your fault scene from Goodwill Hunting, but that's, I love how that's like it's not picking a movie. You're just picking one scene from a movie. It is, <laughs> and that that scene, the, the first time you watch it, you're like, oh, fuck, it's not my fault, you know. <laughs> but um, it's not, and I have to go with one again that it is the ultimate guy cry movie. It tops every list. Uh, Brian song. Um, I love Brian Piccolo. Another it's, movie night. You've never seen Brian's song? No. Wow. Whoa. Wow. You're going to get to see young James Khan. Yes. Ooh. Young I'll James. You, and I'll tell you this. He's no Scott Khan. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he looks good. No, that. I, okay. So I won't go too far into it then, but man. Jerome, I mean, back me up. Am I right? That scene? absolutely, absolutely. It's- that was. I think that was. Um, other than when my dad's best friend died when I was like ten, uh, that was the second time I ever saw my dad openly cry in front of me. Yeah, that is that is a brotherhood moment. That is a you you sit down. You know, when you have a son, you sit down and you watch that with them when they're young enough to break their heart for the first time, and then <laughs> you're there for the moment. Right? Am I wrong, Jerome? That's it. yeah. He's nodding for those listening because no one's watching. <laughs> true. true. <laughs> okay, Jerome, go ahead with the three hundred two. All right, this one's going to surprise you. Um, is it Disney? No, nope. is that why we're going to be surprised? No, <laughs> Kick Ass. Really, really. The scene where they tortured Big Daddy and they set him on fire, mm. and he's calling out. He's calling out shots for his daughter. Uh, mm. And like she's trying so hard, but she she just can't save him in time. And he dies right there. Um, don't know necessarily what it is about me from the from the first time I saw it in the theaters. I was stationed in San Diego and it just cut right through me like. Mm. And I went I went back a week later to see it again in the theaters and it got me again. And it gets me every time. Um, that's know. that's the mark of a really great movie. If it just keep, you know it's coming, you know, but it just keeps hitting you like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, that's uh, it. It's and I know it sounds weird because it's not an overly emotional movie, but just the the um, it's just the way the way they set everything up. It's it's emotionally devastating to me, and maybe mm. maybe I'm broken. I don't know. No, me. that it's we all are a little bit. It's it's subjective, <laughs> and I think I think the thing is too is there there are some movies like I picked a couple dramatic movies. You know, up starts dramatic. You know, feel the dreams is always dramatic. With Kick Ass, you let your guard down. Some right, movies, funny. you you yeah, exactly. They're funny. They're lighthearted. You let your heart. You let your guard down, and then in the end, they really punch you in the fucking gut, and you find yourself needing a tissue. I think that's fair. I think that's a good pick. It doesn't do it for me, but you're right. It's it's very much a you thing and that's what this is about uh this is about getting the emotions out boys uh karen why don't you go ahead with the uh the 303 all right so for the mr irrelevant here um we kind of pick stole in the first round about it but the lion king yeah. yeah anytime you try and hurt james earl jones i'm gonna be very sad about it even in star wars when darth vader dies spoiler alert um 
Did you just try Sorry. to spoiler alert an almost 50-year-old movie? <laughs> but like, and it's not even like Mufasa dying. It's like Simba finding him and being like, Dad, you got to get up. Like, we got to go home. Like, ah, like even talking about it. Like, just like, just time. like him, him biting the ear. It biting his ear and like, oh. Oh, and it's and it's like him like picking up the paw so that he can yep. crawl under it and be held can, by his dad. Oh man. oh man! And let's let's also not forget the the second time they they get after you get under your skin when when Star a, finds him. A, a and now, he's like, "This is your when, fault." When it, no, when a now you know adolescent Simba meets Rafiki and he's running through the field and he sees the vision of his father. And just the shame yes. that he felt, and that in that Mufasa didn't didn't try and shame him, just wanted him to remember who he was. And I'm I'm getting goosebumps to saying it. Like remember yeah. who he was. Yes. It's not it's not about what's happened. Remember who you are, and that you have a purpose, and that. That sometimes purpose is more important than wrongs that you've done. If you're if you're still alive and you can still fight, you fight. Yeah, but it's you're you're you right because it's you right. So you get you got you, me going. <laughs> yeah, you right. Yeah, you right. No. Yeah, you right. It's you're right. Dead it's ass. The, you right. It's, it's the shame of him like wailing at the sky of him like throwing all caution to the wind. He's just he's alone in this moment. He didn't see it coming, and. Oh man, but that might be Matthew Broderick's greatest role. It definitely wasn't hitting somebody with his car. That was not <laughs> that was not his greatest role. His role as driver didn't do didn't didn't go well. Wow. Any any honorable mentions, boys? Because I got one. Fire away. You guys ever watch the dirt? The the biopic on Motley Crue? I did. Uh, I don't. I don't recall there being a, a particularly sad part. <laughs> when um, who's ahead. the who's the lead singer? What's his name? Vince Neil. Vince Neil. When his daughter gets cancer. Okay. Yeah. That one. Scene, it's 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 like the Lion King. It's like the one scene right there, and then it's like the when she's like, when he's just like, she's like hooked up to oxygen. She's like, like she, I think she has like stomach cancer. She's like my tummy hurt, and I'm like. Oh. Dude, come on. And it's like a it's like a 10 minute scene and it's just like nine minutes and fifty-nine seconds too long. Like Yeah. Um that one was right. And she's like five. Yeah, that's anything with kids is tough. Have we have we all seen and Karen, I'm really looking at you. Have we all seen Friday Night Lights the movie? Yes. Yeah, I have seen that. Okay. The end scene when um God, what's the fullback's name? Not Riggins, mm. like the TV show. Anyway, when when Riggins. Tim when Tim <laughs> when Tim when, Riggins dies, <laughs> when Tim McGraw walks up to his son after they just lost, and he puts the championship ring on his son's finger, even though they lost after that tumultuous relationship, that is a scene that sticks with me. Okay, you can't tell say that part and not talk about the part that I was thinking of when and we've talked about this before on the podcast where the father was driving home drunk because that's what you do in Texas um, after the football game. And he was screaming at him and he throws his championship ring out the car window. Yeah. 
and the son makes him pull over and his son is crying and screaming at him. Why would you do that? Why would you? And he's like, the You're dad's just sitting in the, asshole. The dad's yeah. sitting in the car like, fuck it. Arr. You know, no, he's he's yeah, he's and the I, son I, is son is so upset. You would think the dad would be. No, the son was so upset that he did that. And, and so then later for him to <clears throat> give it to him. Um, yeah. Little fumble. Can't hold on to the ball. Oh, God, that relationship and the way the, the end of that, uh, it's just it, it does. It hits me. Jerome, your honorable mention. Uh, uh, this is another niche one, um, but it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, Ladder 49. Um, they wrote this whole movie to to tug at the heartstrings of people that are firefighters or married to firefighters or have a firefighter in the family and stuff like that. I mean, they, they literally wrote the movie to hurt us. So um, this is the reason I have only watched it like a couple of times. But um, I mean, just there are several parts in the movie that just that just get you. Mm. 13 hours has a couple of tough moments, too, man. I, I I've only seen 13 hours once because I've seen it a million times. It 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 physically hurts me and just crushes my yeah. soul because mm. I remember. seeing that whole thing live on TV. And I was, I was so upset that that happened. I was so angry. I was, I was so angry. I think I blew a blood vessel in my eye. I was so <laughs> angry that that had happened. Yeah. Um, and Don I, in that movie was so damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Just think, what was it? Was it, was it Roan? They like toss off the roof. Yeah. Yeah. That's a toughie. Man, we should have really done this topic at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> I'm just gonna go to bed and cry now. Yeah, I'm just gonna have got all these emotions. All right, boys, I think that's it, right? Like, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's definitely it. Please, please, can that be it? Can that be it now, please? Please. You don't want to talk about one more? <laughs> no, no. So everybody, we, go we, put we on a comedy. About, we want to talk, talk about the last scene. Between in Tombstone, between Wyatt Earp and Doc uh, Holliday, stop. when he tells him stop. to go, go live his life and go chase his dreams uh. and stop, stop chasing blood forever. Like, yeah, let's talk about that. Oh, Fuck. I'll be your Huckleberry. Oh, if I were once... ever a, if you were ever my really my friend, you'll go away and you'll never come back. Fuck. I once, I, it, in reference to a previous movie, I once heard someone say, man, I hope you get trampled by a herd of cantaloupe today. I, when I tell you that I died of laughing, like cantaloupe, isn't that, isn't that what kills Mufasa? Who, what kills me? Wildebeest. Wildebeest. And, and, and the animal that you were looking for was antelope. A cantaloupe, cantaloupe is a fruit. Is a melon. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think, think that's, that's it. it. Boy, I'm so <laughs> glad that I'm. I'm so glad I'm editing this one. Oh my god, it was so good. Boys, say good night. Good night, you cantaloupe. beautiful idiot. <laughs> good fucking night. <laughs>